Welcome or welcome back to Criminal Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Jade, and thank you so much for listening. I hope that you're having a very great day, and if not, you know, I hope it gets better. Last week, we talked about serial killer Lonnie Franklin, also known as the Grim Sleeper. Today, we are going to be talking about Omaima Nelson, so let's get started. Omaima Nelson was born in 1968 in southern Egypt. She lived with both her parents and her siblings. It was reported that her father was an alcoholic and a very abusive man. He was physically and sexually abusive to both his wife and to Omaima. Now, when Omaima is six years old, she is forced to have a female circumcision by her father. And I mean, if you know what a female circumcision is, um, there's another name for it. I cannot remember, but I mean, you can only imagine at that age, at the age of six or any age in general, just to go through something like that. Her parents end up getting a divorce, and Omaima and her mother move to the City of the Dead in Cairo, Egypt. It's called the City of the Dead because it's just cemeteries around the area. Everything is built around tombstones. By the time Omaima is 18 years old, she's this beautiful young woman who meets an American oil worker who was on an assignment in Egypt. And the two of them, you know, hit it off and start dating. Because of the female circumcision that Omaima got when she was a child, having sex, there was no pleasure in it. It was more of a painful thing for her. Because she couldn't enjoy it, it became a means of just doing it to please her partner. Her mother says this relationship is an opportunity of a lifetime and you can't lose it. You know, he's going back to America, a first world country, and America has so many opportunities. So take this chance and go back with him and get married. At this time, Omaima wasn't a virgin and she believed that none of the Muslim men would want to marry her. She thought that This was a good idea. Marry him and move to another country and live in life she never in a million years would think she would live. When his job assignment in Egypt is done, they fly over to America in Texas. She thought right away that moving to America, she could have everything she ever wanted and whatever she needed or whatever she liked. Everything would just come to her naturally. But when she got to America, she realized it wasn't all that. Her expectation was like a 10 out of 10, but her reality was a solid 2 out of 10. There was a cultural difference. And if you've moved to another country, you will understand. For instance, when I 
move from England to America, even though it is English, there's still language barriers, of course, different accents, um, and there is just a cultural shock in general. And even to this day, I still have a cultural shock living in America. So Omaima didn't speak English at all. So she moved to a new country with a new man. She doesn't speak the language. She has no friends, no family. She couldn't get a job as well because she didn't speak English and she didn't have any money for herself. So it just she just felt stuck and it became a struggle for her. The two of them end up separating and now she was really on her own. She then has to find a way to make a living for herself. She has jobs as a waitress and a housekeeper just to make ends meet for the time being. She found an interest in modeling because she's a very beautiful woman and people always found her attractive. People were always complimenting her. And seeing as that you can get paid to be a model and that you didn't have to talk, she thought that it was the perfect job for her. She would gain so much attention from modeling that men were willing to splurge on her, aka sugar daddies. She had no interest in these men and she never thought the best about men in general because of her father. So she didn't know what a healthy relationship would look like or what it felt to be in one. So she would move in with some men and just splurge, you know, as she should. Some of the men um, that she was with would catch her stealing and they would call her out and then it would be awkward to stay with the person, you know, after they accuse you of stealing. So she would have to end up leaving. She would move on to the next person, then she would get bored and ghost them, and they would be like, uh, sweetie, when are you coming back? And, you know, she she never came back. In 1991, she ends up in Orange County, California. She meets William Nelson at a pool bar. William Nelson is 56 years old and Omaima is 23, which, if you can do math faster than me, it is 33 year age gap. Now, I'm not one to judge on age gaps because you never know and you could be that person in that position, but he's 33 years older than her. He was a former pilot that was caught, you know, smuggling some weed and spent four years in prison. He has five kids and 17 grandkids. He had a lot of money and he was the type of person that would let you know he had a lot of money. He drove a red Corvette, he wore expensive clothes, and again, just made sure you knew he was rich. You know when you look at someone and you're like, hmm, I wonder how much money they have? He would make sure that you knew that he was rich. They got married in October 1991, one month after they met. They drove to Arizona and got married, and for their honeymoon, they drove to Arkansas. I had an urge to say Arkansas, but I have to... No, it's Arkansas... No, wait, wait, it's Arkansas. 
and Texas, so Amima could meet William's family. One of William's daughters named Margaret, she is 10 years older than Amima, which has got to be weird or uncomfortable for that matter. Like imagine your parent bringing home or introducing you to their lover and say you're 20 and they their lover is the same age as you and your parents are like in their 50s. I feel like the relationship would be very strange all around. But they didn't think the best of Omaima. They thought, you know, she was just using our dad for money. And I mean, I think it would look like that to anybody. Um, She was way younger than all of his five kids and probably was closer in age to the grandkids than her own husband. But they said that it's out of their control. It's their dad's life and that they're was nothing they could do about it. They are grown people. They got kids to take care of, so they weren't about to be worried about their own dad's life. But they did end up liking her and saying, you know, oh, you know, maybe she's exactly what our dad needs. A young, beautiful woman. Omaima says that everything was smooth sailing. There were no problems in the relationship, and it was just this perfect thing. Once they get married, she said that there was a whole new side to William. He was mean, possessive, and abusive. He reminded her a lot of her father, and she didn't like that. Three weeks after they get married on Thanksgiving in 1991, according to Amima, William sexually assaults her, and this wasn't the first time. He would do it over and over, over the course of their three-week marriage. Omaima says that this time is different because he places his hands around her neck as if he's going to strangle her. William is ten times stronger than Omaima, and everything that her father did to her and her mother starts to come back and her instincts kick in. She grabs the lamp off the nightstand drawer and hits him over the head with it. She gets a pair of scissors that was on the nightstand drawer as well and stabs him, killing him. Three days later, on December 1st, 1991, Omaima drove William's red Corvette to a man's house and he was someone they knew because they previously dated. He's shocked to see her because they dated over a year ago and they didn't keep in contact with one another and they never saw each other after the breakup. They just went their own separate ways. But he's also shocked by her appearance. She was crying and she had cuts all over her body. And it's just like when someone knocks on your door, you, the, the last thing you're going to Expect someone crying with a bunch of scratches all over their body. He invites her in and asks, you know, like, what happened? And she tells him that she had been bound for multiple days, raped multiple times, and she hadn't eaten or drink anything, and that she took his life in self-defense. 
she said that she was scared to go to the police because she's not from America and she thought maybe they wouldn't believe her. The odds were in William's favor because he was a rich white man. Omaima then asked him for a favor. <clears throat> AKA she means she needs help disposing the body. She offers him $75,000 and two motorcycles in exchange for helping her. And he's like, sure, what do you need me to do? She comes up with this plan. And the plan is she needs him to get a truck and to meet her back at her and William's apartment to help her dispose of the body. And he's like, for that amount of money, all to myself, heck yeah. And those motorcycles, he probably doesn't even... (laughs) He probably doesn't even know how to ride them, but he's like, I'm going to learn. Heck yeah. He tells her to calm down and that everything will be okay. He tells her to go back to the apartment and that he will be right over with the truck. As soon as she leaves his place, he calls the police instead. He said, The money, the motorcycles he probably can't even ride, none of it was worth losing his freedom over. He said he's not going down for helping dispose of a body. He calls the police and tells them everything she said and says that you can find her right outside. She'll be in a red Corvette, so police can't miss it. When police, you know, Tokyo drifted to the apartment complex, she acts like, Nothing is going on and she's totally fine that she's just sitting in the car, staring out out into the abyss. They ask her where her husband is and she tells them that he's on a business trip. One of the officers sees a black bag in the front passenger seat and asks if he can look inside the bag. When he looks in the bag, it's a pair of human lungs inside of the trash bag. Omaima says that her husband killed a man and she had nothing to do with it. Police get a search warrant for her apartment and what they find is something I never wish anyone to find in their lifetime. After stabbing William with the scissors and killing him, there is an entire encyclopedia as to what she did to him. It didn't stop at the stabbing, by the way. She cuts off his weenie-weenie, then decapitates him, removes his hands, and cooks the head and hands in the deep fryer. There was also a time when she had his head in a deep freezer because she thought it would be easier to take his teeth out. That way, when they find his skull wherever she would have dumped it, they wouldn't be able to recognize him. She takes all the limbs off and takes everything from inside the body and hangs it on a clothes hanger in the shower. The rest of what is left of him, she mixes it up with some leftover Thanksgiving food, putting some in the freezer, some in the trash, and some in the fridge. They also found out that Omaima wasn't bound as she claimed she was. It was William that was bound, and they could tell from the cut-off limbs. She stabbed him in the chest and abdomen multiple times. I mean, 
overkill multiple times, that type of overkill. And then she beat him over the head with an iron. They take her to the police station and start questioning her. Right away, she keeps changing her story and the officers can tell that she's not 100% okay. She's not making sense and she's talking about William in the present and past tense. She says that she heard a voice telling her what to do and then she says she has no recollection of what happened. And then she says she was possessed by some Egyptian spirit. She said that she did what she had to do because when he was scattered, he couldn't flourish in the afterlife. But the one thing that stayed the same in every single version of her story was that he sexually assaulted her and she killed him in self-defense. They have her examined at a nearby hospital and nothing comes back saying she was sexually assaulted. They determined that the scratches that she had all over her body wasn't from William. It was from her cutting up William's body. The autopsy report comes back for William and they found ligature marks around his ankles. The crime scene investigators reported that the bedpost was broken, so they put two and two together and said that William was tied up to the bed, and Omaima wasn't the one tied up. Now on to more scary things. Well, I think this is scary. The part I told you about what they found, that was just disturbing. The medical examiner said that Omaima is a very precise person for someone, let's say it's their first time, and cutting up a body. It was clean, no hesitation marks. Again, it stroke, stroke, it struck the medical examiner as odd because that isn't normal. Well, one, it isn't normal to cut up a body. And two, it isn't normal for her first time cutting up a body for it to be that clean. So he thought she must have done this somewhere else, maybe in another lifetime, unless she has a good eye for cutting up people. Maybe, maybe she's just good at precision. And to top it off, they were still missing 140 pounds of William. When they talked to neighbors, they all reported that they heard the garbage disposal going for nearly two days straight, starting on the night of Thanksgiving, and they remembered it so well because no one's garbage disposal goes on for that long. And it's loud, so they're quite bothered by it, and they said that the disposal sounded like it was struggling, but never in a million years would they think like, oh yeah, there's a body in the disposal, that's why it's struggling. You know, they thought it was food, as I would like to think everyone thinks it's food. As, then again, I think I, I want everyone to use a garbage disposal for food. I don't have one, but use it for food, not other things. Her trial starts in December 1992. Now, the trial wasn't about if she killed him or not, because they knew she killed him. 
The trial was about if it was self-defense or did she just kill him for the sake of it. Her defense argues that her past caused her to snap because of what William had done to her and that she wasn't in the right state of mind. The prosecution says that, yes, she has gone through these horrible things and she might be suffering from PTSD, but the treatment that she claims to suffer from her husband, there was no evidence that William ever did these things to her. There were no police reports, no neighbors, you know, wondering what's all is screaming, like, what is this? The neighbors weren't worried. There was nothing, no reports ever, no evidence to show that this was an ongoing thing. So there would be no fingerprints and they wouldn't be able to identify him and then find out that he's married to her and they suspect her. She said she removed his wiener wiener for revenge because that's what he used to hurt her. A court-appointed psychiatrist allegedly said that she and Omaima had a private conversation and the psychiatrist said that Omaima said that she roasted his ribs, put barbecue sauce on the ribs, and said that he was very tasty. But Omaima says that she's never said that. The jury acquits her of first-degree murder on January 12, 1993. They thought that she didn't act in self-defense and found her guilty of second-degree murder and is sentenced to 28 years in prison. She was first eligible for parole in 2006, but she was denied because they said she was an unpredictable and safety threat to public safety. Omaima then finds another lover. He's a disabled 70-year-old man. They get married, they have their fun in their prison cell, and then he he meets his day where he passes away. So he leaves behind a lot of money. I'm not sure how much, but she's the sole beneficiary and there's like life insurance involved in everything. So when she gets out of prison, she got some money to collect, which would make, I feel like, his family mad because now they know who she is. <laughs> Heck yeah, she, everyone would be mad. She became eligible for parole again in 2011, but was denied because they said that she hadn't taken responsibility for the murder and would not be a productive citizen if she was freed. And then she'll be eligible for parole again in 2026, which is, what year are we in? 2021? So that's five years. Yep. So now, that is pretty much the end of the story. Do you want my opinion? You sure do want my opinion because I think it's important to talk about these things because when, if, when it's a self-defense case, everyone has opinions about it. So, I think that William could have been a horrible husband. You know, for all we know, that's what he could have been. 
he puts his hands around her neck when they were having sex, you know, that could have been a thing for him. I don't know what it's called, like, like when men like toes, like a, a fetish or like a kink. He likes to choke women sexually with no intent to kill them. Maybe they never talked about boundaries because boundaries in that line of topic of sex is important. You know, one person isn't going to be like being choked my and the other person might. And that, you know, they never talked about boundaries and stuff like that. But I think that with the childhood she's had, it was bound to happen. With how men have treated her since day one, with her father and throughout her life up until she met William. I don't think it's self-defense. Yes, he could have sexually assaulted her. Right, and I never, when someone says they've been sexually assaulted, I am never the person that's like, you're lying. I will always believe the victim 100%. But when it comes to self-defense, yes, you can kill someone in self-defense, right? We've heard about it before. You can shoot someone, you can strangle them, stab them in self-defense. But it's not self-defense when you decapitate them cook their limbs, have their organs hanging up in the shower, and their lungs in a bag. That is not self-defense. That is rage, and that is overkill. Think of the tallest building you know, wherever in the world it is. Go to the top of the floor, right, and throw self-defense out the window. I do think it's sad that as a child she had to endure such a traumatic and horrible childhood and it is sad that her mom said basically to use men for their money and to do whatever is necessary for men never once caring about Omaima's feelings and like I said before I do think that it was only a matter of time before she snapped you know every man she looked at she saw her father and maybe what she did to William was exactly how she felt about her father. And that, my friends, is my opinion. And that is the end of today's story. I'd love to know what you guys think. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode that comes out every Thursday. Did I forget to mention that my birthday was last... When I I posted on Thursday, it was last Thursday. And I got my license. Yay! I got my license. Yay! Anyway, that's not important. But you can follow my Instagram at Criminal Curiosity Pod where you can see the pictures of the case. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and rating because it helps me out so much. And I would love to know what you guys think about this podcast. And, you know, what you think of me. Okay, thank you. (laughs) You can also request any cases you have through Instagram or Gmail that I will have in the description box. And please be safe out there. Look out for one another. Until next time. Bye, everyone. The prosecution says that her past has a role in what she did, but not in the sexually assaulted her 
type of way. They say that she preyed on men and she preyed on William. He got a check for $30,000 from his divorce settlement days before he was murdered and they were like that could be the reason why or it was just a coincidence that as soon as she got as soon as he got this chunk of change he's dead. Omaima then takes the stand and she says that her past is very traumatic and when she met William she thought that he was the one and he was so different from the rest but she said she basically married her father. She did admit to using men for money but that's not a crime. She said that she never planned to kill him. She claims that in the moment all she wanted to do was stop the attack. She never had intentions of killing him and it got a little out of hand. She apologizes for taking his life and said that at the moment it was either her life or his life. She says she regrets what she did. Now, the big question is why did she cook his hands and head? She said it was to conceal his identity.